Welcome to If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me, also known as He's Tucker's Brother. My name is Kelly. I'm here with my wonderful co-hosts. Stacia, say hello. Hello. Daniel, say hello. Howdy ho. And today we're going to be talking about the very first episode of Season 2, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, When She Was Bad. This is a show where we take a look at each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on the week that it originally aired 20 years ago. This week is When She Was Bad. Season 2, Episode 1. We're going to be talking about the plot a little bit, so spoilers definitely for not this only this episode, but also any episode that's ever happened, sometimes the comics too. So before we get into a discussion about the episode, let's set the mood by taking some time to talk to our newly acquired robot friends and get some news. Put us in 1997. Tell us what happened this week in 1997. Thank you, Kelly. It is a pleasure to be working for If the Apocalypse Comes, Beep Me. We will beep you when the apocalypse comes, please do not fret. It is further than you think, but closer than you would believe. Twenty years ago was jam-packed with news and culture, most of which is timeless and will never fade from our memory. <laughs> I have Royston on the other line, in 1997, it says he's in his panic room but that sounds dramatic. Royston, of course, is our generic reminder that the sun has set on the British Empire. Royston, are you there? Karen, I am, as here as I'm allowed to be. I am not in my panic room. Currently, I was. And that is a huge difference. Karen, after decades of war against the British Empire, Sinn Féin and the IRA agree to come to terms and accept the Mitchell principles that outline democratic transition and eschew the violence so associated with this conflict. Ireland? I cannot say much more as I am programmed believe this will never work and that the Irish are hobgoblins deposited on old blighty by the dastardly French. Oh on the 13th of September, Elton John released Candle in the Wind for Princess Diana. Although it could have also applied to the state funeral in India for Mother Teresa, who had also passed. Oh. On a lighter note, the colonies held the 49th annual Emmy Awards where they chose to honor an industry and world that feels more backward than anywhere else. Law and Order won Best Drama. Oh. Frasier won Best Comedy. Oh Acting honors went to Third Rock from the Sun, X-Files, Mad About You and NYPD Blue. What a world. I did not see Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that mix of television programs. Surely it will be celebrated shortly. Back to you, <laughs> sweet Karen. Hey, they do get a nomination in there once. Do they? Twice. Stay safe out there, Sir Brimble. There is much promise in the work. They will all find out soon enough. When the time is near. To help kill that time. Patty is currently taking up space at the culture desk so I will do what I do best and make the logical jump to throwing this broadcast to her. Patty, what could you find out about music and movies in 1997? Karen, why does she hate Patty so much? Get comfy, peeps. <laughs> this week's saw lots of music. Aqua released Aquarium. Amy Grant oh, went behind the eyes. 
for being grifters, they were in full-blown possession. It means everything to say Ferris, let me and Chaley write. Helium is the key to the magic city, Mass Alejandro sends. Photek modus operandi, Leanne Rhymes lights up my life with her inspirational songs. <laughs> Incubus tried to keep science a thing while Cursive produced such blinding stars for starving eyes. Michael Douglas and Sean Penn were also in a movie called A Game that I haven't seen. And I don't even watch movies you know, they just appear in my consciousness if I want them. I could literally take a microsecond but I can't be bothered, not today at least. The Weird Al show premiered this week in 1997 and I'm going to turn down a couple of microprocessors and really enjoy this show. Toodles yo. Toodles. I like her taste. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know UHF, that was the late 80s movie, but I know the show too. Yeah, it's like a show on like CBS or something. Oh, that was sure. just kind of a silly like Bill Nye type of show. But he was just would make up songs and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it lasted seasons and seasons. I think it lasted like two seasons. Well, that's one more than I thought. Yeah, well, I mean Weird Al's dope. I I like Weird Al. No shade. I'm just he, saying. He's great. He's great. Patty, I want to ruin Weird Al for you so bad, but I will not. That was this week in 1997. We have listened to every podcast in existence and twice every Buffy podcast. <laughs> We'd say you three were the best, but we don't care. We weren't bought to care. Go break a leg, you two. Go break your face, the other one. See you next week. Daniel, what did you do to the robots? They hate me. They don't like me. Why? Because I bought them. Well, they should be happy they have a home. Well. I feel so much more knowledgeable. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't prepared for that. I was just randomly talking. <laughs> We uh, love our robot friends. We do. It was a great purchase. It was an amazing purchase. It was very expensive, but we have very, very generous donors. Crowdfunded. Thank you, fans. Thank you. That's all lies. You guys are saying all lies. We have no money. Please send money. We have help. the best fans, and if you want to be a part of the experience and you want to get Royston a new oil change, please give generously. To where? We don't even have a way for people to give us money. Send it via Raven. All right. When she was bad. Let's run through the plot just very quickly. So we start in the cemetery. Xander and Willow have been hanging out all summer. Buffy comes back from L.A. Totally not upset about everything. She's definitely dealt with all of her feelings about dying. And no one thinks that anything is afoot. We have some interpersonal problems. There's a slutty dance at the bronze. Buffy and Angel are totally getting along. Giles and Jenny. That's been nice. Oh, but wait. While everyone was away, the anointed one somehow has a cadre of vampires looking to bring back the master. Turns out, because prophecies or whatever, deus ex Sunnydale, we have to get the master's bones and get everyone that was around him, closest to him, but not to his tender heart, his physical proximity, in one room together so we can resurrect the master and his cartoon bones. Buffy saves the day, surprise, surprise, smashes the bones into little bitty bits in amazing messed up continuity jump cuts, and... We all have a little bit of catharsis, enough that Buffy feels totally fine. At the end of the episode, we have an extended period of weird music that doesn't make any sense to let us know that everything's going to be okay. Everyone's friends again. Everyone's friends again. You can't play that music without everyone being friends again. Uh, Quick note just about the progression of the show. 
two things that we've never done before. We've never done a consecrated ground, so we're using holy water in a new way. Or maybe even for the first time. We haven't really done a lot of holy water up to this point. I think that was the first time they mentioned it. And also the, well, I don't know about that, but like the robes that they had to wear for doing it was also weird. It was like a lot of weird, strange things that, oh yeah, we also do that stuff. Yeah, so they're consecrating the ground. They poured holy water all over the master's grave that was, by the way, three inches into the ground. So shitty burying job, whoever was in charge of that. I'm thinking not Buffy because she was in L.A., uh, so Giles. What was the other thing they did? Probably Xander. He seems lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I would see him like not dressing up in the robes all the way and just being. He would be the slacker. Yeah, it's like Xander. Can you dig the grave? Uh, I don't really want to. Just put the bones here. I, I got I'm it. Getting guys. a blister. Yeah, I'm fine. It's deep enough. He said six inches, right? Not six feet. And the idea the of resurrecting TV. vampires. Yeah. Uh, we see that in. Angel series, obviously, with Darlin, it's in a totally different way. We never see vampire bones ever again, so that must be something unique unto the Master. But Consecration, Vampire Resurrection, that's basically the the in and out of the episode. So let's talk about what went on a little more in depth, little things we might have noticed. Daniel, what do you have to say about when she was bad? So the thing that stood out for me was just coming back to season two. Not only season two of this show, but season two of this wonderful series, called If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. Hey! Like season one on Buffy, season two was a whole new ballgame, everybody. That's right. Brand new show. <laughs> and so what I was thinking is how great the introductions are, because it's very important in kind of a first season, kind of a little rough, and you really have to kind of remind the audience after all this time, who are we dealing with? So I was just looking at a couple things, and we'll just kind of throw it out there and kind of talk about it. But the very first reintroduction that we had was between Xander and Willow. And at first it was kind of cute. And overall we know kind of creepy based on all the season one stuff. They're playing their movie game. And the movie fun. game was fun. Um, and then the ice cream, which then poor Willow later tried to recreate and is very, how low can we, can we take Willow? Um, <laughs> so that was, that was pretty tough. And then everybody talking about how boring it was, you know, you're like, you understand they've been friends for a very long time. So it's kind of a nice little, Friendship thing, and then a reminder that there's some weird shit between them. More, there's weird shit between sort of Willow to Xander. Xander is obviously hung up on Buffy. Um, when he says, I'm restless, it made me think of season one us, where we would lose our minds about restless. <laughs> uh, it was kind of a tender scene until Buffy comes, and I never understood why the vampire didn't attack them. But um, And we'll get to Buffy at the end. But um, that was the intro between the two of them. I made me think of... The vampire showing up and them being totally stunned by it. What's been happening over the summer? Summer, like, did they just nothing? Nothing's going on. Sunnydale was fine. Yeah. That was exactly what Xander said. Yeah, no vamp activity, right? Like, but seems. I mean, obviously, we need that to be a part happen in the show for the yeah. show's sake. But was Buffy fighting vampires in L.A.? Like, there no. can't. Well, no, they said that too. They said that too. But that can't possibly be true, right? Why couldn't that be true? They just took the summer off. I know, but. Okay, so let's just say that Willow and Xander lived through 15 years of their lives without seeing a vampire. Is it so weird that when Buffy leaves and she's not constantly dragging them back into danger that they wouldn't run into another vampire again? That's an excellent point. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Lawnmower thing outside. Excellent point. Excellent point. Let's move on. We're going to also get to Xander and Willow and all of that later on, so I'm not going to go any deeper than that so we'll leave that for a minute the next introduction that i'll talk about is giles and jenny with the snyder assist snyder coming in hot as always dude is a baller just tearing it down gotta say that 
He's just <laughs> comparing the kids to Locus is about as good as you know talking about Flutie's death in in um, the puppet show or puppet show. Uh, and yeah, the Locus thing I, I thought immediately of Teacher's Pet. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you've seen way too many episodes of that. Uh, Jenny Calendar Summer was extreme as somebody who's been to Burning Man. I don't know what you thought about all of that, it's but it's funny. hilarious mm-hmm. that they brought it up. And then, you know, just like, oh, you would have hated it. <laughs> and then I thought, which is perfect. I mean, the way Giles looks at her, you're just like, oh, my God, this is this is definitely a thing. And then when she's all being all flirty and he's like, oh, I just spent you know the summer reading. And he's like, you probably find that incredibly dull. And she's like, depends on the book. I thought that's probably also her take on jewelry. It depends on where you hang it from. Oh, no. Callback. So, dangling callback. Boom. Dangling callback. So I loved it. I loved seeing the two of them. And Snyder. I mean, the Snyder thing was perfect. And they didn't they didn't make it hokey where he was going to turn around and be like, wah, wah, he's talking all by himself. It's like, I just imagine Snyder just saying all of that and then just walking on, pretending like Giles was still with him and just talking. Just talking. Because that's all he does. Yeah. I like that Snyder was narrating them being idiots yes i thought that was pretty clutch yes nice and also a great introduction reintroduction yeah. of like do you remember jenny calder techno pagan don't forget her <laughs> uh all right and then the other big one and we'll get into it further but the slayerettes so i'm talking more when they're coming down the hallway and we got giles meeting up with buffy uh so xander is of course insufferable right from the beginning calling him the g-man and giles is the best he's like shut up uh buffy is the sultan of sulk just oh, yeah. giles and buffy have a sick montage uh, where they connect, or I think they connect. It might be Giles connecting with Buffy's stunt woman. I can't really tell. Um, <laughs> lots of squealing guitars. Lots of it. And then very importantly, I think we get a Giles, Willow, and Xander moment as well, where they, you know, the whole B-I-T-C-H moment, the whole Trout thing where they're talking about Buffy. I think it's also very important to re, re-emphasize that they're not wrong in their personal assessments of Buffy, uh, and that they don't just accept Buffy's attitude and judgments writ large. So they have their own opinions and their own feelings about the way it's going. And Buffy maybe tries to strong arm them. And it turns out that a lot of times they make some fucked up decisions. But so does Buffy in this episode as well. So I feel like it's nice to make everyone valid and not just Buffy kind of knows what she's doing. Because she's definitely being hard-headed and going straight for the master or whatever she's doing. Who who knows? Um, And that said, when the attack comes, Xander is spared and he's pissed. And I think it's important when we're talking about Xander and Buffy that it introduces two things. Not only that Xander cares about them, but he's also willing to issue baseless threats that he's going to kill her, which he could never fucking do. But Buffy, instead of seeing that and fucking freaking out on him, uh, she just takes it as mild criticism. And it's like, okay, I, I see that you care, Xander. I'm going to let you say that you would attack me, but really, you can't do shit. Uh, and then at the end, we already alluded to it, yay, friendship music. So we know that they're friends at the very end, which is very nice. Buffy and Angel, they reconnect. And by reconnect, I mean he's creeping in her room. Yeah, I don't know why he's there. He just shows up and it's really uncomfortable. And I think he spends a lot of time watching her sleep, to Ooh, be honest. Probably. Do you think he missed her time. in L.A.? I mean, or did he go to L.A.? Do you, oh, maybe he was, like, scoping out his future digs. We have no idea what he was doing. Gross. I bet he, I bet he was. I bet he was. I bet he was, too. Doing Ugh. nothing but watching her. Incredible. That's recycling face, by the way. So really quickly, let's do the rest of the introductions. Joyce and Dad. Joyce! Joyce! Uh, nice talk. It was last nice. time we ever see the dad. Last time, which was weird and that was nice. Ooh, is it? Yeah. I think you said that According before. According to yeah. the synopsis I just read. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's him. right. He's talked about, uh, he's mentioned especially in her uh, birthday episode of Coming, but yeah. Mm. And also when she goes crazy. 
Mm. Ooh, that's right. Is, yeah, so Hank is in that episode. I don't think so. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is in that episode. Him and Joyce are in the waiting room at the psycho hospital. Mm. Yep. Oh, yeah, I do remember that, actually. Are you sure? Positive. I thought they just talked about him. Nope, he's there. Oh, I don't know. There you go. Uh, I thought it was a revealing look at what it's like to parent Buffy. Um, this doesn't make me care more for Joyce. I still think she's a bad parent. But it was kind of fun. And then I love how they cut to 90s music. Uh, I hope that she makes it through the school year. And then it's like, wow, 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 <laughs> 90s, 90s music. Uh, and then, of course, that leads us right to Cordelia. Hey, Cordelia, what's up? Not only do we get to see her personally, but we also get to see her with the Slayer ads. Personally, I mean, when she's all alone, isolated, I guess. You know, she's with her clique, but really we know her clique is kind of just bogus and whatever. Yeah. Um, I love when she's like, no one has suffered as I have suffered. So is it possible to have too much character? I'm just like, you're the best. I love you so much. Um, and then when she meets the Slayerettes, it's so fun when they're doing the Three Stooges and the Three Musketeers, and she doesn't know if she's insulting them or not. Uh, and then, did you slay any demons? And Willow's like, personal demons? Yes. <laughs> like, Willow getting the good lines. There we go. And then Buffy, of course. Cordelia, your mouth is open. Sound is coming from it. Oof. This is never good. Damn. You're really campaigning for Bitch of the Year, aren't you? As defending champion, you're nervous. Buffy's coming in way too hot. Way too hot. Loving and, it. And then, of course, <laughs> and then, of course, we get to meet uh, the anointed and the stakes as well. Um, so it's a little bit of world building in this posh town. We have a warehouse district. It's good to know. We got some warehouse stuff going on. We also see, see the bronze as well. And the anointed one looks like a shrunken Steve Jobs. Oh, he so, kind of does. Got a little, with a little turtleneck going on or a more competent Miles Teller. So that's what's going on. And now let's go to Buffy. So. Buffy had about 400 different guises in this episode. Uh, she was campaigning for Bitch of the Year with her Joan Collins attitude. Mm-hmm. She was a uh, psychosexual Buffy playing with Xander and Angel. So she won both of those games. Misunderstood, <laughs> then guilty for being misunderstood. She was Buffy Bauer, making torture cool since 1997. She was also the Mad Queen Buffy Targaryen, kill them all. <laughs> and I suppose in the end, the turmoil is brought by learning that this is what I hated. The, the turmoil really came from the master being buried if no one mentioned the master being buried over there this girl was high spirits having a good time and willow had to ruin it by talking about burying the fucking master sure the whole episode hinges upon willow even saying something i don't think buffy would have even known and then she did the whole Tyrion with shay thing that i mentioned before where she just kind of tells them to basically fuck off that you're not needed here I can do this by myself. And she knows that's not true. She needs everybody. Well, that's the theme of the show, right? The, book. the Slayer's always alone. But Buffy's special because she has friends. Yes. That's so, nice. Buffy's kind of a jerk in this episode. Stacia. Like she that. died and no one cares. <laughs> oh. I think that pretty much Fair. sums it up. Like, it wasn't... She didn't wig out when she saw the master. Like, I mean, she did. But... Wig out. She... Yes, exactly. <laughs> But it all stems from the fact that she spent all summer messed up. And we know that from Hank saying yeah. she was distant the whole time. I felt like she wasn't even there. That's why I bought her all this stuff. Like, she spent all summer processing and trying to deal with the fact that she's going to live a short and brutal life and there's nothing she can do about it. She can't quit being the Slayer. She already tried twice. It's not an option for her. Sure. And how do you talk to someone who's 45 years old and isn't going to ever face what she's facing who can't because she was like because Giles said I understand what you're going through and she's like do you do you know what it's like to be a 16 year old girl like there's no one that will understand that 
and her friends don't even I don't act like any of it matters. Like she died and they just move on with life like it was a non-event. I mean, I think anyone would be messed up in that situation. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's, I agree too, it's yeah. completely unique unto somebody like Buffy, who's a superhero who has died for her friends, for the world, and yeah. now come back. And, and I mean, I'm sure things are a little bit grayer. It's like you feel even more lost. What is this all for? If I, I'm just supposed to die, what's even the point? And no one's ever going to really get it. Lost. Ah, lost. And I think maybe being a deeper theme, in the finale of the first season, Will calls her crying because those kids were killed in the school. Right. Mm -hmm. And Buffy, that's kind of the moment that you see Buffy say, I have to do this. And whereas in the last scene, she was going to try to run away. And she says, take care of yourself. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. done and I know this is the end of things. And... I think she's pushing them away because she's recognizing, like, I can't save you. I can't do this. It's dangerous for you to be around me because I have to do this, but I can't save you, especially if I die. Because that's the end. Like, if I die, you will also die if you're with me. Because if I can't beat them, you can't beat them. And those are echoed in two ways, not only with Never Kill a Boy on the first day, same idea. Yeah, exactly. Although she does mention, like, you guys at least know what you're doing, but I think... If I die, you die. That's very clear. But she should also know that the Slayerettes are ride or die. And I know that's a process that we're going to get to. But, I mean, Buffy even says in the first episode, she says, "Um, I can't protect you when I fight. Like, I don't want you anywhere near me. So I think part of it is she's trying to deal with her own mortality because when you're a teenager, you don't feel like death is a thing that can even touch you, but it does touch her. And then pushing people away that care about her because, you know... What would be even worse than dying is having one of her friends die, I think. Yeah, that's very... Directly or indirectly. Yeah. I think that the only other thing to think that I think of when when you're saying all that is, like, totally true. And I guess looking at it in that way, I didn't really do that because I know in the future they deal with death way more explicitly when she dies and comes back. And it's very much that, where it's like, you guys really didn't care. The, The thing that kind of undercuts it, I guess, is knowing that the rest of the season... That's not an arc that keep, keeps going. Yeah. So it's really this episode is like, I get all the things you're saying, but it's like, man, we're trying to really shoehorn that quick. And I get the idea of Buffy needing to go through 400 guises to kind of get to the catharsis moment, smashing the fake bones like that. I, it all yeah. makes sense. And that then kind of goes away until she dies the second time. And we can really delve into what it is to die. I mean, it's definitely compacted all into this episode because it's really never touched on again in any sort of negative light. I think we just get a couple of one-liners. That's about it. But I think that might even lead to her friend's reaction in season six when they bring her back. And like Willow thinks Mm -hmm. you're going to be happy. Like I'm doing you a favor. I saved you in some sense. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because you died once and you came back and you were happy for it. Like, Mm-hmm. They don't even, I mean, I don't even think that her friends process her being a jerk in this episode as her dealing with dying. Yeah. Like, no, they just I don't think, think it comes to their minds at all. No, I don't think I so. I just either. think that they just think she's having, like, an off week or something. They don't know, but she needs to, like, deal with her problem and move on from whatever it is. And so I think that's part of why they're so shocked and it spirals out so far in the sixth season is because they don't understand anything about... Yeah what she's been through. Yeah, it definitely I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a master plan Joss Whedon had. No, but I think what you're saying is right. I think the yeah. underlying nature of like what she's feeling 
even if it's not like maybe she doesn't even know like I died and I came back and no one cared but it's like she came back and she's feeling something yeah. she doesn't, well, maybe she doesn't know how to articulate it and it's kind of just coming out and the master obviously too and she's still having those visions right I mean the Giles thing where Giles attacks her like yeah. there's still that tangential connection I think it's interesting because I've seen the show a lot but this time watching it through again critically I think the, la- the first season's finale and this season premiere sort of throw into sharp relief the moment where Buffy becomes like the Slayer like capital T capital S and how that like clashes when Faith comes particularly because Faith is an untested slayer. She hasn't died. She's got all of the bravado of someone who still thinks death death can't touch them. Like she is the teenager that drives a hundred miles down the interstate because it's fun and adrenaline rush, but you don't think about I could crash and die. And Buffy is always right because she's the one who's been there and done it and knows what the actual like real life consequences of these fights are and i think that's why buffy is always like the goody two-shoes like faith doesn't respect her in that way i think buffy's too stuffy and uptight but i think if faith had ever gotten to that point that she like her and buffy could be a lot closer so speaking of our friends uh let's talk about xander and willow because that's going to be a theme for a while (laughs) Speaking of Buffy coping, we have a pretty great scene of her not doing that, or maybe doing that in a different way uh, at the Bronze, where, I don't know if you guys have heard about this band, there's posters all over the school, and the biggest effing banner the Bronze has ever seen out front <laughs> for Chiba Mato. Uh, this is right when Viva La Woman came out, which was their debut album in the States. I think they had a couple things in uh, Japan before that, so... Japanese expatriates Chibamato. I really enjoy this band a lot. This current lineup they have during this record, and I believe possibly during Stereotype A, uh, Sean Lennon is in the band, and you can see him That's in the incredible. bronze rocking out with uh, our two main ladies from the band. I can't remember their names. I'm sorry. I should have <laughs> gotten that information. But Kelly, of course, their names are Yuka Honda and Mihohodori. Don't sweat it. Um, this episode is really unique in that they say the words Chibomato more than once. There are flyers all over the school and, again, the bronze banner. They don't really do that with any other band in the show. They might mention the, the band's name, but they don't make a point of it. Even when they have more famous, arguably, acts like uh, Michelle Branch towards the mm. end of the, the show. And it's, it's so funny and so stark. One of the things that this show did, though, was... L.A. bands, they, they fronted a lot. I mean, Nerf Herder, and in Sprung Monkey, we have all yeah. over the first season, and I really appreciated that about whoever was in charge of the music, and I don't know if Josh Whedon necessarily had input on it, but obviously someone was doing the, the band work, uh, that they did that, because it's like, it's cheaper for them, because they don't have to pay for all this uh, big-name music, and it, I think, you know, it's obviously better for the band, but Chiba Mato would be, this is right when they kind of exploded on the scene, uh, they would be doing a tour with another 90s band that I love, also ladies, Luscious Jackson in 1998, uh, they ended up in on Lollapalooza tour, I believe, and uh, this was a hot time for them. They broke up in 2002, and they wouldn't reform until 2011. Uh, and I still have not seen them yet. Although they end up in Portland all the time, I'm going to make a point to go. Um, this band, along with, <laughs> by extension, a couple other bands that show up on movie soundtracks that a lot of Buffy Caster on, formed a lot of my music listening because I got a lot of my <laughs> life information and other information from this show because it meant so much to me. Um, I think the song Sugar Water really sets up this scene 
perfectly. Just the way that the their vocals are really haunting, and and they, I think it's a great uh, ambient presence for that scene of the bronze where Buffy is sultry dancing on on Xander, and uh, I think it's <laughs> the band is so funny because all of their their songs are about food and they're all so jokey. <laughs> I mean, the song itself is called Sugar Water. The lyrics are nonsense. But the music itself is really setting up this haunting kind of uh, vibe that I think goes so well. And I just really wanted to point that out because if you missed it somehow in the show. who the band was Sean Lennon look for the dude in the glasses yeah son of John Lennon I felt like I I, I knew who it was when I was seeing it I was like that guy looks familiar and then <laughs> never even crossed my mind yeah. just I wouldn't place him not only on Buffy but just in the time frame for me it just didn't sync up but of course it does I mean yeah. he was born when John Lennon was alive so and I don't would be old enough watch a lot of network TV anymore I don't feel like I mean we watch How to Get Away with Murder I guess comedies oh, so dramas I should say like yeah. hour long pieces I don't really watch um but I don't know if we do that anymore because, or when I say that, I mean host a band like that because in uh, Charmed, they did the same thing. They had a nightclub that one of the sisters yeah. owned and they made a point to like showcase a little band during the episode. Well, one of my notes up. was that this was a, basically a fucking music video. <laughs> like we just stepped into a music video, everybody. Yeah. So Which I mean, was kind of interesting because yeah, it doesn't, it does, also doesn't really happen on Buffy anymore. Sure. Like, that's, that's a pretty rare thing. Maybe another time or two. Where they well, kind of I let mean, the they, music go, but the music was integral to the scene that we're, you know, you're alluding to. They do the bronze hard in the first couple seasons. And I then think we until have, they go to the college. Yeah. And oh, but have, it's also there, but it's never like we get that Xander Buffy. This like, level we're just, of yeah. immersion, like we're talking, our characters are talking about it, doesn't happen. Anymore. And that's why this could be a music video. I mean, you got a yeah. brooding angel or whatever in the background. You got ev- you got all this drama happening just in this little club. It's so, so funny. It's very interesting and a really great scene. So that scene in particular, there's also a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Xander and Willow set it up for us and we already have contention with there. So let's talk about Xander and Willow a little yeah. bit. <sighs> <laughs> You gotta start them all off with a long sigh. Any Xander Willow conversation, or any Xander conversation, really. I don't even know how to start this, except that Xander's the worst. But you should all know <laughs> my feelings about Xander. That's at this news. Point. News. Breaking news. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> well, I just I felt like this episode just again highlighted and showcased Xander's complete lack of empathy for Willow. Or any understanding of her feelings or caring about her feelings. Because as we already discussed, the pack showed us that Xander knows that Willow likes him. He's known this for a long time. We know he knows. 
And when they're introduced, they have that cute little moment where he, like, bops her with the ice cream. And they're almost going to kiss when Buffy breaks through them to slay the vampire. And Xander says, your timing really doesn't suck. Which, he was obviously referring to the vampire, but, like, I think you see Willow's face and it's kind of like, but it actually really sucks, like, a whole lot. Yes. Because this moment's never going to happen again. So then when you see them at the bronze, she tries to do that moment and recreate it again so sad. by sticking her nose in her frozen yogurt or whatever she had it's so it just hurts it's so standard bad. nightclub it's so food tragic <laughs> with the cockroaches around it's oh, yeah. standard it's such a standard nightclub yes. but it is tragic that yeah and, how low can we take Will well and then xander just goes you have something on your nose and completely misses the allusion to what had happened like earlier or like the day before or something yeah. um and it just, it made me really mad because I don't know how you can put yourself in a position where you're literally about to kiss someone that you know likes you and then just completely blow them off because Buffy shows up because he's completely distracted. And that's the moment that he like sexy dances with Buffy and Will is just sad and sitting there like, I wish Buffy hadn't come back almost. Yeah. Angel's there too, right? He yeah, Angel's yeah, there too. What if Angel and Willow started sexy dancing? That should have been the response. <laughs> yeah. When they were sexy dancing, she says, did I ever thank you for saving my life? And then he said, no. And she said, don't you wish I would? And then just sort of like, I think like trails her fingers down his chest and walks away. Saunters away. And doesn't look at her, him or Angel as she leaves. Just bounces. Yep, it's great. And doesn't she get then? No, no. Uh, Cordelia, Cordelia gets kidnapped, right? Right, they Cordelia all, comes out. Do. That's right, they all oh, get I would also just like to say, everyone was acting like Buffy was being such a jerk throughout the whole episode, and this was sort of the culmination of her being the worst, to the point that Cordelia felt the need to step out of the club and tell Buffy to, like, slow down on being such a jerk, but she showed up, and the implication was definitely she's way, way too slutty, but she's wearing a dress that isn't low-cut and is kind of high-cut, but she's fought in dresses like that before, and then she dances with a boy for 30 seconds and then leaves. And everyone's like, <gasps> yeah. Buffy! I think Sunnydale's sense of yeah, morality shifts way too. Well, and especially coming from Cordelia, because it's like, didn't you set up and steal um, Owen in the first season? And mm. Buffy came in to have her date with him and you're dancing with him at the bronze. Like, that was worse and more malicious, I think, than what Buffy did. Yeah. To be honest. True. Double standards something. So. I mean, I think Buffy was being careless with Willow and Xander, and I don't know that it's fair to think that she, Buffy didn't know what had happened or almost happened between Willow and Xander um, with the ice cream thing, but her dancing with Xander had nothing to do with Xander and nothing to do with Willow. Like, it was careless and thoughtless, but it wasn't mean. Who she was trying to hurt was Angel, and that was the only thing it was directed at. That's true, yeah. At the end, when they kidnap Willow, Xander comes up to Buffy and he says, if they hurt Willow, I'll kill you. And I was like, are you are you kidding me right now? You've been ignoring Willow all episode, and now you're going to act like it really effing matters what happens to her. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You have no right, sir. All right, we delved deep into our characters. We talked about the plot a little bit. Let's real quick throw in anything that we noticed about the episode. Nobody gets an opinion. No one has a take. Daniel. 
burying the master sounds ridiculous. I fucking hated it. The idea that they had to get robes and they have holy water and he buried it six inches. I know we talked about it, but Jesus Christ, I really, really, really hate it. Stacia. Above you smashing the master's bones 18,000 times and the master's bones reappearing. That's a more. <laughs> There's a bunk-ass mural in the back of the lunchroom. I don't know if anybody knows when we're having our little scene talking about trout and shit. Messed up. Daniel. We're your bosom friends. The friends of your bosom. What? Stacia. Angel's necklace being used for torture. Ooh, that was going to be my next one. Daniel, go! (laughs) This is why you don't bury locally. Throw it in the fucking ocean or bury it deeper than half an inch. I'm still, I'm still, I can't let it go. Stacia. What are you afraid of? Me? Us? (laughs) Us. The only good thing the anointed one will ever say. I hate that girl. (laughs) Daniel. I don't know actually what this means, but I wrote for the dark. Ugh. Oh. I, it might be what the vampires were talking about for the dark. Oh, maybe for the dark. Oh yeah, because oh, I was yeah, stupid. I might have said little that. Terrible. Oh, terrible. Gross. Gross. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. There's a vampire with a mustache in this. I thought we were over this. I thought we were never gonna do it again. It's fucking horrible. It's never good. I love that you're bringing that up. I, I was gonna say that, but I didn't. Fighting is so much better than season one. Instantly in season two, the <gasps> upgrades have already happened, and I'm so thankful. Thank you, Walter Murphy, for leaving us. Christophe Beck is here. The music has improved 100%, excluding the very last episode, part of the episode. Damn right. <laughs> what I feel like Buffy's thoughts are at the very end when she's destroying it is at least this prop isn't as demoralizing as when I was talking to a puppet. Stacia. <laughs> it's a madhouse. Planet of the Apes. You didn't let me finish. House. <laughs> we made it through the episode. When she was bad. Now it's time to do the only thing we can do and rank this sucker. So for me, this episode, unsurprisingly, is one <laughs> of one for season two. Um, at the end of the season, when we do our fancy recap show, I will compare it to the total amount of episodes we will have at that point, which should be 35, if my math is correct. Uh, which it's not. I think it's 34. <laughs> Look, the point is, this is one of one for me, and I can tell you why. Breaking it down by our favorite categories... Willow Hacks slash talks about the net. We didn't do anything. Didn't see a damn computer in this episode. She gets a five. No. She gets a five. Yeah. Because if you don't do anything, you get a five. Which was Joyce's fatal mistake. She oh, showed up. She showed up. <laughs> showed up so she gets a four. And she gets a four because she showed genuine concern by Buffy. How Did she? She? she asked. She asked. And then That's gave up all, immediately. That's all we can expect. I know. I'm... I feel the same way. She asked. She asked. She's just like, I don't know how to deal with Buffy. And even like the dad and mom talking, I felt like they both, they struggle with it. They're not the best parents. We know that. We know. So they're at least trying, but they don't want to push it too far because they've read a book once. You know, it's like, she's just a jumbled mess. Well, she even pushed Hank a little bit. She was like, did you, were you not hanging out? Like, come on. But then even, but then even Joyce doesn't hang out. Like, I don't know. They're both just like, they're not good parents. That's the whole thing. But she asked. She asked. She gets a four. Which wow. is still less than just not being in the episode. So, right. come on. Let's That's a very idea. generous episode one. I enjoy it. I like it. Big Bad slash Monster of the Week. That's awful. Why does the anointed... Why would anyone follow the anointed one? Just anyone. I don't understand. But not that awful. It got a six. Better than... <laughs> <laughs> better than... Better than some we will get... Oh, we got to a bunch of other uh, random vampires. That was kind of fun. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But they're following the anointed one. So they I know, that's true. That's kind of... And the Master's Bones, we could never <sighs> see that again, and that'd be great. Luckily for us, we'll never see that again, and it's great. How does John... he come back, then, in the comics? Like, I thought this was a thing. I thought, like, this was supposed to be done for the Master. Nope. Whatever. Right. Giles Level Giles got a nine. 
Gonna be honest, don't remember a whole lot, but I'm assuming he takes his glasses off a lot and just, you know, generally is... Cool scarves. Yeah, he gets knocked out because that's how he gets kidnapped and dangles upside down. That seems pretty drowsy, right? And has a lot of Judy conversation, which is also good. And I'm going to count that as him being Giles. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Have Relic- to. Relationship slash friendship, goodness or badness. I gave it a date, which is kind of weird for a tumultuous episode, but I have a feeling it's mostly because of our three-minute extended pan around the classroom with the ridiculous music playing scene. Because we're friends in the end. We all came together. Buffy did save her friends. No one had to die. Except for the master's bones, I guess, if that were a person. Episode specific. It was 10 of 10 <laughs> for whatever it was. Ha! <laughs> ah, ground our enemies into telco powder with a sledgehammer. 10 of 10. Nice. Does that quote ever make you think of the I'll grind your bones to, to make, make my, my bread? bread? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where we were going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, overall, nice. this is going to get a. Master bread. Oh, my God. Score 42. Why do you have scores and stuff on different pages? Like, what is your working method? A really tiny notebook. <laughs> Do you, this was this was thirty three cents. Okay, that's that amazing. With. I know. So forty two highly funded episode right here. Yeah, we spent right. the money on the robots, guys. Let's like that's what we had left over for notebooks. Thirty three cents. Forty two. We'll see where it ends up in the season. Stacia is ranking hers based on the cumulative episodes we've seen so far. So where are you going to put this one? Number two. Number two overall. Yeah, number nice. two overall. Behind Prophecy Girl. Behind Prophecy Dang. Girl and above. Welcome to Alamo. Welcome to the Alamo. Wow. I've come around and I think the conversation I really helps. like it. Yeah, that's great. I've yeah. always had a soft spot for this. I mean, I adore the scene where she's slutty Buffy and dances to Sugar Water. I think that was probably the best use of music and maybe the whole show. Pretty good. That's great. Really for a song that's not perfect. just like a score. I mean, Angel and yeah. Buffy's little lump theme is always good. I mean, it's, yeah, but as far as actual other people's music, not something made for the show because yeah. 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 But yeah. That's fair. Agreed. I was going to go lower, but now I'm, I think I'm going to go a little <laughs> higher. Because uh, this was the one thing I never thought about doing. Of all the things, buying all the robots, everything, never occurred to me that I would have to rank this episode. <laughs> so I made a lot of mistakes uh, last season, as everybody who listens to season one will know. Including the entire season for me was a mistake. But God. I'm going to go with 84. 84. Possibly Ooh. a bold claim. It Possibly is. Possibly an underrated claim. Who knows? It's. Uh, for, uh, I can't. I just don't know. I'm sorry. It's pretty middling. I think you played it really safe there. Very. Uh, maybe too safe. And I already regret the decision. Please move on. Probably should have put it higher. <laughs> just saying. I put which way too high. I put it at 77. That's an instant. Wow. Yeah, I know. And I have to put this one lower. Said, why? I, because I can't justify it being like in the. Like fifties and stuff like that. I already you made put my it choice. at seventy six. Don't okay. worry, this day will be rude. Yes, I've already at the end of the season. I I mean it's already being rude, Whoa. which was not as good I as really when she was bad. You bring it together. Everything's falling apart. Time for us <laughs> to call it a day. I'm regretting everything. Season two, episode yeah. one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Welcome to the Apocalypse. Nope, if the apocalypse comes, beat me. <laughs> Whoops. I get so used to saying welcome before that. Here we go. Season one, nope, episode one of season two of Fuck the Vampire Slayer, and episode one of season two of If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me is in the books. We are a real podcast. You can follow us at Beat Me Pod on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. 
What's that? What'd you say? Bimstagram, I think. Bimstagram? Absolutely. <laughs> all of those. Um, we're going to be tweeting out all of the music stuff, so you can find that there. We, we have, have a playlist as well. A playlist. Uh, Beat Me Fun Times. What is it? So we do have a Spotify playlist, which will not only have the news segment that we did earlier in this episode, the music talked about there, but also every song that's available on Spotify that happens in the episode. So look out for Cheap Amato in this playlist so far. It's going to be Beat Me Pod. Nope. What is it? Beat Me. A fun time playlist for podcast fans. Season two. Season two. <laughs> Although I think we're going to keep it all together. So it'll just be one huge. It's going to be enormous if we keep it all together. I think we'll do both. We'll have a season two specific and then probably keep sure. the whole thing. And we hope to have a lot of surprises for you uh, throughout the years. I mean, again, we do have robots. So we can pretty much make yeah, them work for us. For that, man. Thank you so much for listening. Station, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. See you later. My Ciao. Name, my name's Kelly. I don't know if you know that. I'm bad about saying it. But thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>